Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of continued crisis. And I am joined, as always, in usual fashion. Uh, maybe we scared the ladies off uh, by our rector, the Archdeacon, Rodney Whiteman. How are you doing? Good day to you, Lindsay. Um, doing okay today, just... A bit shaken uh, yesterday morning when I got the news that my sister and her daughter had tested positive for COVID. Oh, goodness. Um, the other daughter tested negative. Her husband was, um, had no symptoms. And my mom stays with them. And so we were really worried about my mom and so up until this day, this afternoon, I called her again, sent a message again, and she's not shown any symptoms. Mm. Um, so we were really, really worried about that. And we had um, advice from a variety of medical people around what to do, whether to take her out of the situation or whether she's been... Apparently, there's a term called those who have the virus start shedding the virus mm. without even knowing and those who are in their midst uh, pick up that shedding yeah so um so up until now my mom has not been exposed to symptoms and i think it's about the sixth day or something like that okay there's also been and i just hope that people do also if you have been exposed to somebody who's been um, who has had COVID, um, ensure that you take your full ten days of isolation. Do not do not come down. Do not come out um, on the tenth day. You must have completed the full ten days because you're exposing people. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, even though you may have no symptoms, you could be a carrier. Uh, and we are reading other things, Lindsay, about how devastating this vi virus, uh, the Delta one, can still be in terms of being airborne for mm. a long period of time. So, you know, real vigilance and wisdom and um, and compassion is needed uh, in this in this matter. Mm, no, definitely. I see um, New Zealand has obviously <laughs> made the news for going into lockdown after discovering one Delta case, but then that quickly swelled to, I think they're on like 65 now. Uh, have, they, but, have they moved on from 50? They were 51 yesterday. Wow. I forget. I, I don't know. My, my numbers might be wrong, but it was a lot more than just the one. Uh, but uh, Jacinda Ardern, the prime minister, did rightly say that, especially when people are Moving outside in the outdoors to always have the mask on them, wearing the mask over the nose and mouth because just passing by. And I mean, there was evidence that came out of some footage that they traced in Australia where the person tested positive um, and they had just walked by someone who sure. was also COVID, COVID positive. And it, it, I mean, Delta is spreading so quickly that they say it's like it's just it's just that action of just walking by at the wrong time where this person just maybe breathes in your direction. Um, and it, it's important to know that because 
it replicates so quickly, far more quickly than the other strains. That's what makes it a lot more transmissible because of the viral load that you carry quite early in the, um, like within, I think it's 12 hours or 24 hours, there is enough viral load that it does escape um, out the orifices, which is, uh, and then transmit. So yeah, um, please, the best thing we can do right now is to vaccinate um, all adults over the age of 18 are now eligible for vaccination in South Africa. So please guys get out there and get those shots. It is the only way we are going to beat this. Um, vaccinated people have been found to only transmit the virus when they are seriously have like moderate symptoms. And yeah, it does slash the death rate down to near nothing. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there seems to be new updated research done on the on the virus, the Delta variant, um, updated on the 18th of the of, of August. Mm. It's, uh, in at, at Yale Medicine. So yeah, um, yeah, I'll link yeah. I'll link some of those that data down in the in the description podcast description where you'll also find the collect and. Um, the readings and the prayers, some of the prayers. Um, so yeah, you can check that out there. Um, yeah, I think if you could please call us together with collective prayer and we will jump into the liturgy. Thanks, Lindsay. Um, good day to you people. Thank you very much for joining us. We're still in the month of compassion, very much aware that in our country it's, it's Women's Month and I Trust and hope that we are um, honoring women and learning how to honor them so that it's not just a month we do it in, but do it uh, across the board every every day. Uh, and of course, the general respect we should have for each other. We also, um, in the month of our compassion and in the art of happiness, the Dalai Lama, the 14th, wrote these words, love and compassion are necessities not luxuries. Without them, humanity cannot survive. Pretty much something to think about. Um, our hymn is a favorite once again. Look it up on the Google. God is here. Um, and so in the gathering, I greet you with these words. My sisters and brothers, the Lord of the covenant is with you. Lord Jesus Christ, you have the words of eternal life. Set your living bread before us that feasting around your table, we may be strengthened to continue the work to which you call us. For you live and reign with the, for the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. And in uh, August uh, 2018, Lindsay, I composed this collect and submitted it to, to the diocese for use in that year. Whether others will use it this year, I don't know. But I will send this to you to add to the to the list. A collect for Theological Education Sunday. God of wisdom, Jesus instructed his disciples to make the disciples of all nations and to teach them to observe all that he taught. Thank you for calling women and men to serve you in the various ministries of your church. 
bless all undergoing theological education and enlighten those engaged in the research of theological works and teachings. Touch the minds and hearts of all in your church to faithfully sponsor and support theological education so that your church may be built up for the purpose of mission, prophetic ministry, pastoral care and worship. We make our prayer through Jesus Christ, the great teacher, who is our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, this actually brings to mind a situation that's ongoing right now that's maybe a little bit complex. I, I characterize it as a plate of spaghetti. Um, it's the situation in Afghanistan where obviously the U.S. are withdrawing and the Taliban have now taken over, the Taliban have taken over. Um, and their idea, so obviously they're bringing like an Islamic flavored sense of, of governance, um, which a lot in the many of the international community are saying is going to suppress the rights of women um, because what they, what the Taliban believe is contrary to what is actually in the Quran, where there were a lot of, um, the, the Prophet made a lot of allowances for women. Um, giving them rights to uh, land ownership, economic rights, um, rights to freedom of, of speech, freedom of education, um, all these things, putting them in places of power. And I hope that um, the emerging government within Afghanistan, which the country is well within their rights to form um, independently, does reflect on the teachings within their Quran um, and allow for the freedoms of of women and the rights of women. Uh, just uh, on that point, uh, is there explicit mentions in the Bible for around the idea of, of women's rights or women's rights enshrined in Christian teachings? It's, it's very interesting because we are aware that the scriptures were written under inspiration during the system where patriarchy was very much real. Now, although it has been whittled down over the centuries, it is very much still the governing principle of leadership um, in economics, politics, um, in social dynamics, and it's still there's still the whole thing of uh, women must know, know their place, but spelt out as vigorous as it was. So when there's a system of such a nature, system has a principle about it. It has a philosophy about it. It has string, stringent regulations about it. Um, where then? Do people fit in? Because mm. a patriarchal system is not just where women are oppressed, but if you happen to be a black person, then in the patriarchal society, you don't fit in because patriarchs are considered to be white men, mm. mostly. Now, how do you break down this system? Okay. One of the closest I can get to in terms of the Old Testament is um, 
although Genesis is chapter 1 to 11 is considered to be parabolic, not, not historical in the, in the sense, the strictest sense of history, but it carries about it the, the story of faith and of God and of, and of humanity. We hear of an Eve mm. that was created. We hear of the, 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 the you know, that Eve wasn't um, a person in bondage. Um, we hear um, that even in the state of marriage, um, man shall leave his mother and father, the two shall be made one flesh. And, and this was the thing it said, and they both were naked and they did not, as it were, become ashamed. So where did the shame come in that women should have been put down to, to um, be denigrated? The shame came in because of, of the fact that she wasn't considered to be strong enough. Then you have Miriam, who was a leader, a prophet. Exodus 15 is a clear-cut picture of Miriam. Mm. Then we have the story of Ruth, Esther. Why are all those women mentioned and they are in leadership positions? Was that part of God's inspiring a different system to break down a system that was oppressive and patriarchal? I certainly understand that the voice of women were necessarily there. But when we read the Bible, Lindsay, Mm-hmm. When we heard the Bible read, it was the masculine that was celebrated and not the feminine. So, for example, um, uh, you have David's daughter. She's raped by her brother, a stepbrother. Uh, she tells her dad herself, he raped me. And what does this great king of Israel say? He ignored her. She must forget about it. But did the scripture, under the inspiration of God, erase that part of the story? No, it told it. Mm. And then when Jesus comes with Mary, a a 14-year-old girl being... if, if, If women were denigrated to a certain part in the temple... Why then did God choose to come and speak to Mary himself through this great angel if they had to have a second class place in the world? So, in fact, God broke down those existing things. The problem was we didn't know how to apply it. And Mary wasn't, mm. John 2 tells us when Jesus comes to the wedding, she goes up to him and said, the wine ran out. Mm-hmm. So of the voice of women were there. Their names were mentioned. Those who stood around the cross were women when Mm. Jesus died. Those who met him at the tomb were women. So I think these are all positive, important parts of the salvation history where it's about inclusivity. It's not gender-based. It's inclusive. Anyone who is in Christ um, there is no 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 separation, no um, uh, pyramid scheme as to who fits where. Um, he breaks down all of that uh, divisions that we've created. But for me, the classic one, 
besides the other classics, is, <coughs> pardon me, Jesus crosses over from an imagined boundary between Israel and Samaria, mm. goes mm. and sits at the, 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 in the middle of the, of the town at the, the common place called the well, and a lady comes and he starts a conversation with her. In the middle of the day. And she doesn't come with purity. She comes with baggage. You had five mm. husbands and the one you're living with now is not your husband. So I think they, if, if we read scripture as we should read scripture. In honesty, we will also read those passages that tell us that we are wrong when we discriminate against anybody. We are wrong when we discriminate against women. Mm. No, definitely. I just thought within the context of it being theological education um, Very Sunday. important. And yeah, just it's, it's been sitting with me. There was a, a beautiful Twitter thread where this lady was explaining all and she cited all the passages in the Quran where the prophet explicitly said that women can get unilateral um, abilities to divorce. Women must can own land, women in leadership positions like old like economic freedoms freedoms to education encouragement for the education of women all those sorts of things and it's just bizarre that a religious fundamentalist regime can come in and while i do i am in full support of the country because this is the exact same thing that happened when the russians left um uh in the uh, beginning of the 90s end of the 80s um the Taliban came in and established a, a government. Um, and then 20 years after the US got there, same story. So they're just reverting to type and they were well within their rights to set up um, a government of their choosing. But yeah, if you're going to be, you know, you, you can't pick and choose um, the parts of, of the religion that you're going to be enforcing, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I think again, um... Uh, you know, I, uh, th theologians that we studied when we were at seminary at the time, unfortunately, were just ma masculine mm. male figures. But as theology developed, as the world developed, um, you began to learn of women who are now writing things and bringing uh, beautiful um, nuances to understanding a deeper theological understanding for a deepening of faith. And, and one has been very appreciative of that. Um, and in fact, I think that, I don't know how it works though, but um, women are offering themselves more than men to ministry, mm. to study theology. Uh, we, men mustn't assume that they've moved on and that studying theology is more primitive now and so women can take it up. Um, 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 men must realize that 
um, when women do write uh, under God's inspiration, that there's much we are challenged by in the way we have been theologizing and reading scripture. Mm. Um, and we, we have to admit, we, we, we were all, because of society and home life, um, shaped according to gender uh, biasness and mm. um, particularly um, those ugly things, big boys don't cry philosophies, yeah. you know, that made us bullies. Um, and, 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 and we, we, we corrupted the world by, our, by that kind of mindset. Um, and so we continue to corrupt it because those of us still stuck in that way when we are given the privilege of raising boys, then that's unfortunately what we continue to perpetuate. Um, and so I'm not saying that we, we have a more balanced way of raising girls. I'm just saying we have a greater challenge to raise boys in a balanced way. Mm, definitely. Yeah, just to ignore or uh, avoid all the traps of like toxic masculinity and passing on those those kinds of cultures. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much for that. I was just, yeah, it was just strange to me that there are all those kind of um, allowances made for women within the religious texts, the base religious texts of other relig of other faiths. Um, but in Christianity, there isn't actually like a framework that is laid out as as plainly. Can I just cite an, an, um, a personal example that I encountered? I'm sure my dear uncle and aunt would have long forgotten this, but I was studying for my third year and final year, my theological education. Uh, we were not at the college because we were studying in the Republic of Transkai and we had been thrown out because we were considered um, um, terrorists to that government. Yes. So our theological yes. college was closed down and beads and all the people that were studying from outside of the of 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 Transkai was was sent back to their respective diocese. So we had to write our finals here in Cape Town. So I asked my aunt and uncle if I could spend some time with them because the place where I wrote was quite nearby them. It was easier to travel. And then um, they came home from a prayer meeting. They belonged to the Baptist church. They came home from a prayer meeting or a Bible study. And my aunt and uncle came in, went straight to the kitchen as, as normal to put on the tea kettle for tea and then invited me to join them. So my auntie dared to ask me the question, your husband was the, is the, was the pastor. So she dared to ask me, a third year theological student, because that night they had studied the gifts of the spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. Mm. And the pastor had said that the gifts that God gives women are different to the gifts that God gives men. So she said to me, because she totally disagreed with her husband, the pastor, and she, so she put me on a spot in front of him, said, Rodney, can you tell me when you study the gifts of the spirit, are they are they different gifts given to women? In other words, were they based on gender? 
No, my, my um stand there and I'm worried because now I may just get thrown out of the house if I was to give an awkward answer. So I mm -hmm. said, when you actually read the text and its context, what you do find is no, nothing there that indicates that is gender-based. Mm. But the spirit gives as the spirit wills for the common good. I I I knew that I knew that was what 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 is the way you should have interpreted. So and that's the end of the story too because my uncle never said a word. Never was that conversation picked up again. I wonder if they laugh when I'll tell them that was part of my memory. <laughs> but but I understand why he said that. It was because he was influenced by the understanding that men are the heads of everything, particularly the household, the church. Yeah. So if they, if it was understood that men were the heads, therefore their gifts would be different than that that God gave to, to men. It's like the understanding, did God call 12 men disciples because they happened to be men? Why were the women always in the background and they were not washing up in the kitchen all the time? They were considered his disciples. They were very much part of his ministry. But why did Jesus call them? Did he call them and just listen to them? Listen to this again. Go to look, look at the translations. Did he say to Peter and, and all the other guys, come follow me because you men? He never used that term. Mm. Did he have a gender bias in him and say, I better start with men before I get into trouble? Did he perhaps start with men because he needed to change their thinking? He needed to change their hearts. He needed to transform them out of patriarchy to be able to say the community I am establishing is not going to have patriarchy as its main focus. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, so I and I thought too. You know, when God called me, did I hear him say, well, Rodney, because you're a male, I'm calling you to consider priesthood. I didn't hear that part of the call, if ever. That is, that is quite a thing to chew on. Um, and there, there is a little bit of, of, of evidence of, of that um, in the first reading, which is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. Um, so this is Paul in his closing words to the Ephesians. And he starts with, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against the enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may help, may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. So there you have it quite plainly. Our enemies are not of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the patriarchy. Is that what Paul is saying? Yeah, I think that when we when we look at how easily Enmity is created between us for almost anything. Um, Paul was trying to help us understand, well, 
what what is the what is the real um, uh, presence of ensuring that enmity is created between people? Where where who is the real real enemy? You know, um, and especially when we are called to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His power, that we are made aware. We have to. We are empowered to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, of course, here's another struggling point because some people question whether the devil is the personification of of evil. Um, there's no doubt a presence that is evil. There's no doubt that there's a presence that's very influential in the minds and in the hearts of people. Um, we 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 all have sinned and fallen short, but of the glory of God, we are born into sin. So we have the susceptibility to fall into sin. We have the susceptibility of being of creating enemies. And in our day, we have a voice that continues to want to create awareness correctly, advocacy and action against gender-based violence. I have taken the responsibility in our parish not to leave this to the 16 days of activism uh, that Tabu, President Tabu uh, um, um, asked us to join him when he was president. I, have be I believe that I need to ensure that we speak of this on at least a weekly basis. So you would have seen in the liturgy I bring in throne of the scriptures of the day, of the week. I have a prayer to continue conscientizing us. Now, why, why is there enmity with the women? Why, are, why is women, violence against women such a huge thing? Um, why do men treat women? in that way what is it about that scenario and um is it an easy getaway for many women say well actually it's not really him that did it, it was the devil that made him do it mm. um, no men have got to take responsibility because the thought of enmity starts within us mm. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, yeah. So I think that we have got to understand that there is a presence out there, the influential presence that can that has the that has the the influence to talk to our hearts and minds and to set this train off of enmity. So if we can identify that yes, that that is there, we can also begin to say, I will not allow this to influence me. Why? Because I'm called to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of the Lord's power. And I can put on the whole arm of God to fight against those things that would cause me to be the one creating havoc with violence amongst others. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you on the, the gender-based violence thing. So like <laughs> So there's this idea of gender-based violence, which to me is the everyday kind of abuse of women. And that is 
reprehensible. It is, it, 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 it's just one of those things that exists in this world, this, this entitlement that exists among men where they believe that they are free to exert physical authority over women by this misinterpreted idea of like God-given authority. But where I end that empathy, like it's, it's trendy to conflict everyday gender-based violence with what has been termed as femicide. Mm. Um, because apparently <laughs> using um, the original Latin terms for humanity um, is, is gendered for some obscure reason. So homicide must now be escalated and or gendered and be termed femicide when it involves a woman. Uh, but like my, 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 in my head, it works like this. Men are murdered at a far higher rate than women are um, because of gang violence, the wars, all those things. It's mostly men that are dying on our streets. Like for me, there's no difference in brutality um, finding a woman dead floating in a river or finding a man burnt in the boot of his car, you know? For me, that's the exact same thing. It's a human who's been murdered. But I found that a lot of the literature around femicide then moves the focus away from that day-to-day gender-based violence and puts all of the pressure that we place on our authorities um, to then address the femicide thing. And I find that that shifting the argument <coughs> that way is doing a disservice and actually leaving the women who are vulnerable to the everyday gender-based violence a lot more vulnerable. You know, one of the things that could become our biggest enemy is our language. Yeah. So... When I listen to what you are saying, I, my, my outgoing point is we are called to show respect across the board. Mm. We share a common humanity that has multiple dynamics about it that complement one another rather than divide us from each other. Mm. And and instead of wanting to see it as difference, therefore uh, a a threat to us, when we are able to look for deeper meaning, we would actually find the value of its complementary nature. Mm -hmm. My my question in, in what you are saying is, whilst more men, males are being murdered and killed across the board because of things that you cite like gang violence such as wars and so on. The question about femicide is for me really how many women kill men 
And I just wonder whether that is the motivation of those who are quite vociferous in the use of femicide and uh, uh, that that we have to consider. And of course, this is like a very important nuance of the debate. Mm. Um, but it, for me, for me, the starting point is because we share a common humanity with differences that are com- meant to be complementary. We therefore call to love and respect each other. Now, if that hasn't been fermented into our lives at the beginning, then we're going to see difference as threat. Unfortunately, the on a scale or comparative scale between males killing killing um, females and females killing males, there's a huge, huge uh, difference. Very few women actually kill males. It happens, and we would argue when anything bad happens, one one of it happening is is bad enough. It should never have happened. Yeah. Okay. But now again, we get into argumentation. So if we must explore that, say, why then does, why then is there so few women wanting to kill men? <laughs> well, let me put that the way. There may be women that want to kill men, but perhaps would think about it in, in ways men won't think about killing somebody that they find a threat, even if the threat is not physical mm. you know um uh <laughs> it just popped in my head now when i thought about um a joke that somebody i don't well it may actually be true i don't know where where an, a, a, an elderly lady was asked um you know how long she'd been married and she had said you know a number of wonderful uh, golden years and uh, was ever asked if she thought about divorce because that's the first thing that pops up in your mind about marriage and the end of marriage, mm. the longevity and the end of marriage. And she said, I haven't thought too much about divorce, but murder a whole lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> so, so y- y- you know, so yeah, we need to watch our language. And when we talk about it and define it, we got to give people the respect and acknowledgement that yeah. I can't make you define things and use language the way I want you to use it. But once we've heard it, we need to say how helpful is this to help the situation to improve the respect level towards one another, or does it actually further the battlefield? Mm. Yeah, I know. I like I I know my views on femicide are wildly controversial um, in today's climate and also not quite at odds with the persona that I kind of sketch for myself where I want to be an ally to um, women and uh, the LGBTI community and that. Uh, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's pure semantics that I cannot, I it doesn't just it doesn't sit well in my head because I I think it it then leaves open that whole like how how do you how do you cure the problem so like on the murder thing 
more men kill outright like most uh, overwhelming <coughs> number like most murders that happen are by the hands of men across the gender lines so men kill what is also true then is that men rape men abuse mm. so for me like that remains the central issue and if we can make strides curing that problem that the problem of men killing women should also be solved at the same rate you know so yeah. it's like all of the energy is going into like when a woman gets murdered and it makes the front the headlines and then there's protests and everything and it's like what about your auntie while you are protesting whoever's death what about your auntie at home who <laughs> is sitting with a black eye right now you know like <laughs> that that's the actual problem um, i wonder given given what you just said now i wonder therefore when we look at ephesians chapter 16 to 12 What is it that the author is trying to make us think about in addressing the fact that uh, our struggle is not against flesh and blood that we have this cosmic power of darkness that has a very influential rate and first he says be strong in the lord and then he says put on the armor of god and he tells us what the influential power there is that makes us uh go wrong mm. but then he says again take up the whole armor of god now what's the armor of god to protect us from what is coming in that could be influential in our lives mm. that we must actually stay off that we must actually not allow to get uh, when people talk about you or when you think about yourself you would not all you want the people out likely saying i'm bad and i want to be bad yeah um but i do know that there are some guys who'll be saying that let's say in their friendship circle or in the gang circle because their badness is celebrated mm. in in that context but generally for people why do we need to put on the whole armor of god because we have subtle influences out there that get us do thinking and doing things the particular way um why do we have to consider um for example the belt of truth hmm. and how we need to how truth needs to be in our lives and what is truth so we need to explore truth which is what we are doing here in this podcast during a very difficult time um when when despair can influence us hmm. when hmm. um uh, 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 the death of our of our loved ones why is some dying and others not dying you know the guilt that we spoke mm. about not so long ago um and we can then become mad with people um oh, so all of these influence so it is to ensure that these things coming from the outside wanting to influence us are stayed away but it's also to deal with that which is on the inside that is corruptible so the belt of truth um the gospel of peace 
the shield of faith, uh, the helmet of salvation. All of these have got both an inward purpose of transformation mm -hmm. as well as an output pur purpose of defending that transformation so that when in defense, we can create something new. We can mm -hmm. stay with the enemies to create a better environment. So I, 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 I'm not, I don't think Paul is saying you must become warlike, which is what some Christians like to interpret this as. Yes. Yeah, there's, there's no mention of a weapon. It's all precisely. Yeah. Precisely. Um, and so pray in the spirit, pray also for me, you know, collective prayer. Whatever. So I think that this is a very important part of um, looking at the influences, both on the inside that we've been formed and fashioned with, that we need to discard. How do we do that when we put on the breastplate of faith, of righteousness or the gospel of peace? When those things influence our lives, we are able to change and look at the world and look at people differently um, and recognize that, that the influence of hostility can be dealt with because it's something that we don't have to have inside of us. And we don't have to read a, a news uh, paper that says something about we, women and then are influenced by that particular kind, mm -hmm. of, kind of stuff. Because look, out there are also people who want to sensationalize life. Yes. The interest yes. is not to give meaning to life, but to sensationalize life. These, this, this whole armor of God is for us to be careful of that traps, to create in us a, a people of wisdom, a people of truth. Yeah, a people of God, a people who are inspired by the spirit so that whatever is in the world. I mean, last week I was quite interesting how the author and I'd be very cautious to say it's Paul, um, but uh, 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 the day is evil, said the author. How did he how did he define that? I mean, we know that the day was evil when looting happened and so many people died. Yeah. But yeah. is every day evil in our country? No. I was actually I I met a friend uh, we were at Spear earlier. Um and this gentleman recognized me and then it was a friend of mine. He had actually immigrated to Germany. Um, subsequent, yeah, had twins, wife, and they've just moved back. And because, <laughs> in his words, look at outside, this is summer in Cape Town, and it's not the snow uh, flake in sight. And I was like, oh, fair point. Uh, but he remarked <laughs> that coming back, um, he's, he's, it's quite obvious that things have changed in South Africa and not for the better. And I didn't press him because he was pressed for time. Um, to explain that point, but it was just a, a weird, it's it, it still sitting in my head of like, what could he possibly mean by that? Because for me, South Africa's improved quite a lot in the last couple of years. Obviously, we've had our challenges now with the pandemic, but as a whole, I mean, there's still not like active wars happening on our streets, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you see, I think uh, you're not going to get a utopia anywhere. Mm. And even when the police are in charge, it creates a sense of martial law. So where is freedom in such a society? Because mm. freedom is about responsible citizenship. 
But ugh, as humans, we we like to create demons. So it's it's, it's very important the that there is no weapon mentioned in the armor of God. It is all yeah. defensive and defense against um, what what does he say? Uh, the flaming arrows of the evil one. So not like yeah. defense against the demon when you go and go slay it, you know and I think a lot of Christian, like a lot of theology has been has been bastardized to this idea of like killing the evil one, creating this other that you are going to go out and, and murder. And it's like, but the commandment said, I know I, I have dismissed the commandments on this podcast quite a few times, uh, but it's, it's just an interesting thought that, that there is no singular entity that we can just crush. And when it comes to the murders, the brutal murders, um, a lot of retribution, a lot of justice is sought just to bring justice on the murderer. And then that that was actually the, the essence of my point is we forget the everyday evils that continue to happen and that foster or at least create a fertile environment for those brutal murders of women to happen. Yeah, this this brings me to the point of chapter of the 620th verse, for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Hmm. What is the ambassador to? A message may be given to me to be made known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Now, in chains could apply that the author experienced prison hmm. and 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 being silenced. But in other words, what I'm saying, if the whole armor of God deals with the corrupt on the inside to eradicate it out of our lives, defends us from the, that onslaught from the outside, then we are those who are meant to be ambassadors. Now, it's interesting. We're not called to be generals in the, in, in the army. Mm. We are called <clears throat> to be ambassadors of the mystery of the gospel. Because... All of the things he told us about truth, righteousness, peace are tenants of the gospel. Yeah. Um, is, the, is the very nature of the gospel. So, so you know, without me thinking, I can purport an act of violence just by the language I use to interpret what my mind is telling me about something. And this happens every day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, in, in very, very simple ways. Um, uh, and that is what we're careful of. But can you imagine a community in which there's ambassadors for truth, ambassadors for change, ambassadors for justice, ambassadors for peace, and that in their ambassadorship, they are creating awareness to what their work is about. And through their work, they create that kind of environment. Therefore, addressing the prejudices and the judgments um, and, the, and the actions that could victimize people, injure people, and even kill people. Um, and so... Shouldn't we be looking at, 
instead of being um, wanting to be generals in in the army, be ambassadors for God, mm. even when there are people silencing us. There, so we are those who must create awareness. We must speak out against the stuff that are breaking down society. Uh, for example, right now, we have to speak up for protocols against COVID-19. It, it, it's lend, what is happening in the world around COVID is almost lending itself to where people who are not taking this thing seriously, are not keeping to protocols, mm. could easily be termed as advocates of murder. Yeah. Could be language could be used in such a way, and then it also lends itself where governments have to become mandatory because people just won't listen. Um, and people who are rejecting protocols and and vaccines do not speak of a, an improved society, but rather of a selfish freedom they want to experience. I haven't heard a message that is inclusive but rather one that is very self-centered. But so too for every other issue in our country, in our world, poverty, uh, unemployment, all of those things. These, these re human realities need ambassadors for truth, ambassadors for change, ambassadors of righteousness, ambassadors to, to bring about the, 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 a new society, if I can put it like, all based on the mystery of the gospel. But it's mm. going to need boldness to do that. Mm. It is, and it will. Um, just briefly, I want to focus on a passage in the gospel, which is according to John chapter 6, verses 56 to 69. I want to take you to verse 58, which is, This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe. And who was the one that would betray him? And he said, for this reason I have told you, that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. And that was like the big kind of, <laughs> that was the watershed moment um, where it was kind of just the 12 who remained and he knew that then, well, here's my question. So again, Justice for Judas, um, retribution for Judas. Jesus knew exactly what was going on. He knew who would betray him. Um, he says here, no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. So like Judas is there among them, traveling with them, sanctioned by God. So he is absolved of any guilt in my book. 
<laughs> because it was all meant to be. It was all said to be. It could only happen that way. But now he has this group that he knows can travel with him and will be able to withstand everything. Would Jesus have maybe prospered, maybe accelerated the idea of Christianity if he did play to the crowd and not kind of divide or polarize at this moment? Yes, he would have, but what quality of Christianity would we have had? What quality of Christian community would we have had? Would we have had? Would it have been able to therefore address a world that is described as evil mm. and destructive mm. and corrupt? Would it, have had, would it have had the the alternate society to stand up for the poor, the voiceless and the powerless? I don't think so. Mm. Where in, if Jesus watered down his teaching, about himself, where he would be easily accessible, um, that there would be no, there would be difficult about difficulty about him and what he taught. Then, what worth would there have been in who he is and what he taught? Now, we are using words here that um, it was very interesting. Six chapters down the line. We have, as you say, watershed moment. Mm. But there was a watershed moment earlier in this gospel when John's disciples could not understand why he had pointed Jesus out as the Lamb of God. And mm. then mm. the two of them followed him, and all they wanted to know was quite a simple thing: was where, where do you live? In other words. We want to be with you, but will you show us hospitality? Mm. Will you let us into your space? And Jesus said, come and see. Now, when they came and saw and when they were engaged, it may have looked easy from the outside, but there was no doubt that he was all about transforming and growing and maturing us into as Paul, sorry, as the the author to the Ephesians writer said, to have the boldness to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Now, if he had watered down that and made it easy to just, you can just somehow believe, then it would not have had the strength and the essence, the tenacity to bring change in the world. Now, sure, the church is a human organization. Christianity is human as well as divine. The human part of it became very destructive. Mm. And I'm not bad mouthing it, but it became like that simply because we began to water down. What it meant. <laughs> one 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 theo theo theologian says 
When Jesus calls a person to follow him, he calls us to die. Now, there's a, there's a trend in, 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 in Christianity, which is no, we have got to be powerful. We have got mm. to destroy mm. and destruct. Now, where did that all come in? When mm. God mm. says, when I call you to follow me, I call you to die. Why is that the essence of the call to Christian life? Um, that participation in me is not just eating the, tree, the, the cream of the, of the top. It's not easy to just believe. I, I have said this to somebody who perhaps was thrown. I, I was also shocked when I said it, but I, I firmly believe that was the right thing to say. Just because I happen to be a Christian priest doesn't mean I fully believe. I struggle with some of the teachings. I struggle with some of the readings. How do we interpret that? Just the other day, I dared to read something from Judges where this man was 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 wanting to be, he was a judge, uh, ruled Israel, uh, Jephthah, and he wanted to have, have the defeat of the Ammonites, and he asked God for victory, and, and he went to this extent where he said, if you give me the victory, I will give you the very first thing as a sacrifice that walks out of my house. Mm -hmm. What came out of his house when he approached his house after victory was his daughter, his mm. only child. And this young lady is of such tremendous maturity in her understanding of God that she says, you can't break your promise with God. Mm. But let me first go and mourn my virginity, the fact that I will not marry. Then you can do what you have to do. You have to promise. I mean, I, I can't get to the to the. To the to the to the meaty juicy part of that story because it's a complicated one, mm. but it's a very necessary one to think about because nowhere does God say, "Okay, I'll receive your sacrament." I mean, your sacrifice. Nowhere that God even say, "Fine, if you if that's your agreement, I'm waiting for you to 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 fulfill it." Nowhere does it does it indicate whether God was just satisfied with that, but the whole thing was in that way of believing was if you made a promise to God, you better be sure you keep it. Mm. And his daughter made him do that. So they are very difficult things mm. in scripture that people just seem to quote left, right and center as if it's just wonderful to do so. That's where we have the misunderstanding. And coming back to what we spoke last week, there were people in here who were following Jesus who found they could not continue with him. Why do Splits happen in the church. Because uh, <laughs> some people believe different things about the teachings. Yeah. They must emphasize. I mean, the, the author of Ephesians says the gospel is a mystery. They are the mystery of the gospels. To be able to be bold to speak of the mystery of the gospel, you can't dig shallow. Mm. You've got to dig. Your prayerfulness, your research, your reflection, your quietness, your stillness, your your writing, your reading, rereading, rewriting, your checking out with others, with tradition as it came down. 
you can't just go and skim things from the top and say this is mystery mm. because then you're talking nonsense if yes. those in the very early parts of john's gospel said man i can't handle this this is way too too much for me my, my faith capacity can't hold what you're telling me right now. And they felt offended. Jesus picked it up. He said, does this offend you? Now, if anything doesn't offend me about the Gospels I read and the Scripture I read, how am I going to grow if I don't embrace the offense I'm feeling and then explore why am I feeling so offended by what I'm reading? By what I'm reflecting about, what what others have said about it. Um, am I missing the point? Will I find another gospel that soothes me and um, you know gives me hope, but not true hope? Watered down, shallow, so that I won't be able to really be an ambassador in change. I want to be ambassador without chains. It's easier to be ambassador without chains. When you're ambassador in change, when you are challenged because you may be speaking things that offends a system and a people. And I think there's a level of Christianity that people have shaped for their own best will. Mm. God is this warrior God that continues to beat up those who don't believe in him. Well, the Muslims have come up with a counter to that as well. The infidel must die. Allah told us that in the Quran. Ooh. And yet, you know, I've been reading an incredible book. Called, <laughs> ah, you are stirring some controversial soups here. I, 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 I'm, a re I'm, I'm reading, a, a, I've just read the last chapter of a book called uh, of The Flourishing, it's called Flourishing. And the challenge is globalization needs religion. Indeed. And, and he says what is fascinating is that what we have is the world as gift. And we also have a giver. We are the recipients of that world. And we seek from this gift both meaning and pleasure, but not, but in tandem, not one over the other. But here's the interesting thing. Yes, go on. Um, colonialism also needed Christianity. It needed religion. Still you needs have to, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, but who was, I was speaking with Musi Maimani. I was interviewing for, for a story, and he said something I have never heard before. Um, like, I, I have many issues with a lot of what Musi Maimani stands for as a politician and simultaneously a man of the cloth, um, which I don't believe could ever go together. Uh, but he said that if it wasn't for the colonialist missionaries, the black revolutionists wouldn't be educated. And that was, it was the most fascinating. I had never thought of it like that. Yeah, but that's not new, by the way, ne? Yes, I know, I know, I know. I just, I, I had never considered that. However, 
that does not mean we would not have had education. That, that, and remember, we're only reading that as per whoever wrote the textbook. Yes. Of history. Yes. I've, I have I read an incredible book by Alan Hendricks on hope. Dare to Speak of Hope is the book's call. Mm. And he raises in there a theology of God amongst the Khoisan people. Yeah. And when I read that, now, remember, I, bo- I was born in a colonial time that moved on to apartheid time. Mm. Before that, nobody told me about the God who my ancestors understood yeah. was, yeah. was around. And by, by the way, Christianity had, all, uh, had already influenced Ethiopia mm. before mm. the colonialists came here. There is evidence that Jesus had already gone to, to Asia, but was never written about. I mean, he's written about it because Asia is in scripture, in, in, in what's his name. Mm. So these mm. influences were spreading the world. What colonialism did is they, they, they captured a people, then colonialized them. Then, then wrote the new history for them. Yeah. yeah. But people are exploring in depth into the whole that there's a history before that that was already shaping us. Mm. What mm. we did find, and this is very interesting, we did we did find um, um, we did find a an ally in the scriptures they were bringing. Mm. <clears throat> Unfortunately, we were blinded by what this colonial concept of the gospel was. Yeah. That because we were we were already a generous people who did not think the land belonged to ourselves. But this man with white skin and bl- and, and 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 blondish hair comes and said, "You need to put fences around these things and own the land. And if you don't, we'll fight you for it." And even so, when you do put fences around it, we'll yeah. just take it from you because we have bigger guns. <laughs> so in the Ko- the Khoisan understanding of God, they understood God as a warrior God. Mm. They called God the God with the wounded knee. Mm. For me, that's an extraordinary perception of God. Because we are struggling with this whole thing about God being so powerful that he never gets injured. Yet in his son, Jesus Christ, he took all the pain he could. He is the God of the wounded knee. He fights for us. And what does he do? He dies. His side gets pierced with a spear. He's offered wine. His head is bleeding, bitter wine. But the narrative that helps us understand what he's going through is salvation. Mm. So he dares Mm. to say, this bread which came down from heaven. It's not like that which you insist to say. And they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. And the disciples listened to this and they said, hold it. It is true. The spirit gives life. 
The words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. And I mean, he that, that would have upended the entire understanding. Because I mean, these are these are Jews. These are like no, salt of the earth Jews, and they absolutely. were like Moses and the Exodus and all of that stuff. And now this dude is like, nah, mate, your your ancestors died with that bread. And then they're like, no, buddy, you can't just yeah. trample over everything. Because that, that, that's the problem with truth. Yeah. Is it, it comes in and it challenges your perception because there's, when it's objective truth, when it is, no, not that I am saying, don't worry, you haven't converted me. <laughs> not saying <laughs> that what Jesus was saying was the objective truth. But the concept of objective truth is it has no emotion. It has no, it cares not for the feelings of the liar. It just speaks what is. And yeah, I, I, and I think. Yet, and yet, when it's, when it's, when it's, consumed by those that hear it life comes so emotions become alive they are transformed they are shaped and all the other things within us that is why i think the process of conversion is fantastically spelt out for this reason i've told you 65 that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the father the process of conversion is not just a slip slop one. It's as if if I use I'm I'm probably not using the right word, but it's 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 graded by the Father, granted by the Father. It's a process of real of real truth, not watered down truth. You either embrace my son for who he really is and choose to create your own Jesus, because that's what we tend to do. Mm. We want a watered-out Jesus. We don't want the Jesus of mm. the cross. We want the Jesus who says, take up your sword. And the one who cures the sick. Pre precisely, precisely. So, so, so I think you are right. This is a watershed moment in the gospel. It's a real turning point. And for those of us who take Jesus, because if you look at the real purpose of this gospel being written, is so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The real purpose of why this book was written shows you that, and, and maybe the person who judges us as Christians is Magandhi when he said, I don't want your Jesus who tells me I can't sit in this church because my the color of my skin is, is darker than yours. But I love the Jesus of the New Testament because what does the New Testament Jesus do for us? Um, I think that is a great departure point. Um, for this episode it has been another fascinating conversation and we could probably go on for another two hours um. <laughs> well yeah um and i hope that people challenge us because um you know because the, we, we we are we are really wanting people to take this exploration of faith very seriously 
but to do it with the joy that comes with believing in God through the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what I would like to, to say. I also just hate being in an echo chamber. Um, <laughs> I enjoy yeah. seeing other perspectives. It was great having having other voices um, open up uh, on, on the podcast over the last couple of weeks. And it would have been amazing to have a, a, a feminine voice to, to temper the earlier discussion. Um, but on that, uh, Father, if you could please extract a few further points of reflection, brief points of reflection from the praise of the church. So to further our worship in this podcast, Lindsay has asked me to just reflect on some of the prayers, uh, our, our celebration of, 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 of God is in our prayers and, and the God whose love endures forever, a love that comes to us through Jesus Christ. And to this, we pray Jesus only one for, for the church and the need to strengthen and encourage your church in declaring your love. Also, Jesus, Holy One, that you may give courage to all leaders to advance the cause of all with equity. Jesus, Holy One, you may be with the lonely and those who've been abandoned, firming them with your love. Jesus, Holy One, may you speak your words of peace to any whose mind is troubled. And we continue to pray for healing for all those suffering from COVID. And I just reflected with you, Auntie Mary Smith, Grant, and others, my sister Denise and her daughter, Gemma, who've got COVID. That's where my my mom lives. And we are trying to make sure that they are safe. That Jesus, Holy One, you are near to the brokenhearted, may be with those who have died granting them eternal rest and comfort to those who mourn. We think of the horrible bus accident in the Eastern Cape where over 30 people died. Uh, We also think of the other accident of taxis here in Western Cape, uh, those that were injured. So we pray that we may have the ability to be more intimate with Christ. We ask for healing from our racism and prejudices. We also ask God's blessings upon those celebrating birthdays and wedding anniversaries this week, that he may indeed uh, pilot you with his strength. And then as we've been speaking about the whole area of gender-based violence, we think of Solomon Lord who stood before your altar with hands spread out into heaven. We, your servants, ask you in our prayers to deliver us from the scourge and scars of violence, stalking, victimizing, hurting and killing. We also pray for the protection of our constitution, growth thereof and and our democracy, uh, where many, many people's blood was spilt. Our plea, Lord, is that we may protect, um, be protected, for the benefit of unity, equity, justice, and peace. I want to encourage you to go and listen to Sibongeli Kumalo singing a prayer for Africa. It's an extraordinary uh, um, message to us in the way she sings it. And in conclusion, we pray God's commission for you 
God sending you God's blessings upon you. Go out and make known the mystery of the gospel. Keep alert and pray at all times. Draw strength from God's power and so stand firm against all that would corrupt you. May God arm you with truth and righteousness. May Christ Jesus give you words of spirit and life. May the Holy Spirit draw you near to God's presence and bless you with honor and with grace. Remembering that the author to the Ephesians talked about being ambassadors of the gospel of Christ in chains. And we need boldness. Now we say go in peace with courage and boldness to love and to serve the Lord. Go in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. And amen. Thanks very much, Lindsay, for the opportunity. And thank you all for joining us. And remember, if even if you're offended by anything we said, you have access to us. Speak to us. Correct us where we need correction. Challenge us. Because we also need your voices to grow uh, in our own faith and life journey. We in this together.